father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode 180 with Coach Terry Bamford. Terry Bamford is one of the most prominent high school basketball coaches in the nation. Terry has been the head coach at La Jolla Country Day School. As a high school coach, Coach Bamford has led the two-time state champion La Jolla Country Day School girls basketball team since 1999. During her tenure, Coach Bamford's squads have posted an impressive 233-61 record, won eight consecutive league titles, eight consecutive San Diego section CIF titles from 2001 to 2008, have made eight consecutive Southern Regional Championships while winning four 2001 to 2004 and 2008, and made five state final appearances 2001, 2004, and 2008 winning state titles in 2001 and 2002. Coach Bamford was named the Cal High Sports Coach of the Year in 2001, the Briber Hall of Champions Coach of the Year in 2002, and Union Tribune Coach of the Year in 2003 and 2007. Prior to her arrival at Country Day, Coach Bamford has proven success at every level of coaching. She served as head coach of San Pasquale High School girls basketball team and led the Eagles to an undefeated Avocado League title, 12-0, and the CIF runner-up in 1990. Before taking over the Eagles, Coach Bamford led Mira Costa College to two undefeated Pacific Coast titles in 1989 and 1990. Prior to Mira Costa College, Coach Bamford took over as head coach at Palomar College. After taking over an 0-25 program in 1984, Coach Bamford led the Cornets to their first Pacific Coast Conference title, going 12-0, and a berth into the Southern Regional Playoffs. Coach Bamford was also the assistant coach at UC Irvine in 1983-84. Coach Bamford played basketball for the Lady Anteaters of UC Irvine, graduated in 1983, and directed and coached numerous basketball games. 
over the past 20 years, including the past nine summers with a Nike camp family. Coach Bamford played basketball for the Lady Anteaters of UC Irvine, graduated in 1983. And what tips it off, Coach, here is Coach Bamford coached the 2020 Max Press National Championship team. So we got the current national championship coach here to kind of share her great vision on what she's doing to to build La Hala Country Day School into not only now, but continue to build this program into one of the elite programs in the country. So I'm so excited to be picking the brain of one of the best coaches in the country, Coach Terry Bamford. Terry, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Terry. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Sorry I about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I knew eventually you would get a coach. I know how smart you are, so I know eventually you would connect. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, it had me. Uh, it had me like doing my own podcast, and then um, then when I clicked again, I, I saw you and I joined. So sorry it took so long. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know it's Friday, July 3rd, Ben. You're probably getting ready for a barbecue, I'm sure. <laughs> no, this is great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, yeah. Well, er- earlier today, I, I had the privilege um, speaking to Coach Sam Caldwell from um, New Hope Academy um, in Maryland on that. So I, I really enjoy talking to all you great coaches, man, from around the country. Yeah, we've had an opportunity to play a couple times um, in the Nike TOC. He's got a great team, and he does a great job with this program. Absolutely on that. And I know you know uh, Craig Campbell. I spoke to Craig Campbell at Clovis West. and Yes. Um, Roger DiCarlo. Roger said, man, you got to get, get Coach Bamford on, man. She's one of the best. Oh, that's, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah, he has a good program. And Craig, he, he runs an outstanding program. Um, we battled, you know, we battled over the years, but just, just really good coaches, you know, um, in our community. Um, it's, it's great to have people like that. Absolutely. I really want you to share kind of the, um, really the hard work and the details of what you guys do, because I get coaches from all over the country that, uh, tune into this podcast, man. And they, they just love hearing from you guys. But before you do that, Terry, can you talk about like, Growing up in the game, and I know all the coaches, they all grew up in the game, and 
eventually they loved it so much, they had a passion for it, that they say, hey, this coaching is a profession I want to do. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, mine's a little bit different. Um, I grew up in a family that nobody played sports. Um, so okay. I, went, I went to uh, St. Mary's the elementary school and, um, you know, they had, um, you know, sports during the day, you know, during the school that you can try each, each, you know, started like in the fifth grade. And so I sure. did volleyball and then basketball and, and I really liked it in track. Um, and then when I got to high school, um, um, you know, I'm really competitive and I really, I really like to play. Right. Um, so when I got to high school, I made the varsity volleyball team and then I made the varsity basketball team and then the varsity field hockey team as a freshman. Um, and, and it was interesting because, you know, my parents, my dad worked a lot and my mom was a stay home mom. And so it was just my passion, right? I just loved it. Um, and I, I fell in love with the game of basketball more than any of the, the other sports that I played, um, went on to play at uh, UC Irvine. Um, okay. when I was done playing there, um, I, you know, I wasn't not done with the game. I loved it. So I stayed on as a volunteer coach at UC Irvine for that year. And then I went to the junior college level. Um, and then at Tampa school high school, I coached the assistant headmaster's daughter, uh, Marcy Marcus. Um, he's, he was the headmaster at La Jolla country day school, the assistant headmaster. And, um, okay. a job came open and he asked me, Hey, what do you think about coaching? Um, here, I think it would be great. And so I applied and, and I've been at country day for 22 years now. So. Yeah, if you really, I mean, I really want you to kind of talk about that first experience because uh, not everybody wants to be a head coach. I know I have people that just enjoy being assistant coaches. Did you know from day one, hey, this is what I want to do? Um, after I finished playing and, and I started coaching, I knew this is what I want to do. I loved it. I loved it. Um, and my first, you know, head coaching job, I was very young. Um, you know, a few years <laughs> older than the junior college kids. Um, uh, but, but I knew this is what I want to do. It, it's, it doesn't feel like work to me. You know, when I go there, I'm in the gym. It's, it's, um, it's like an escape, you know, um, I love the game. I love studying the game. Um, you know, I love the, the whole team concept and, and trying to build the, you know, the best team that you can every year. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really want you to talk also about, like the great, I mean, I'm from California. I grew up in San Jose, California, um, which is on the other side, other side, you know. Um, but I know, man, there's some great basketball in California. And I know it's a big state. Craig Campbell, Sue Phillips, Kevin Kiernan, Doc Shepler, Kelly Sopak, Alicia Kamal, all these great coaches out there. I know it's a big state, but what makes California such a, a, a great avenue for girls basketball and alone? You know, I, I, it's, it's a big state. There's a, there's a lot of kids. Um, you know, I think we're fortunate um, to have, you know, great weather and the opportunity to, to uh, start kids playing at a young age. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what it is, but, but California does have some extremely talented, talented teams and coaches and players. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like they're allowing you. You guys can work with your players in the off season. I know here in Georgia, we're not allowed. There's only a certain time that we can work with our players. I love that about California. So basically, you can create a whole travel program. That's a great feeder system for your program, right? Yeah. So that's that's how I kind of got started um, at Country Day. Uh, they didn't have any off season program um, when I started there, and so um, 
there was only a, a handful of kids that really wanted to to play in the off season. So I, I created a club team. It's uh, the waves basketball club, San Diego waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started just with, uh, you know, a high school group. Um, uh, we did travel and Candace Wiggins played for me at that time. And, and, um, we wanted to go to the end of the trail, end of the Oregon trail. That was the biggest t- high school tournament and where you can get vision and get recruited. And, um, so I called, called Carl Tinsley and he was like, Oh, well you have to qualify, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, how do we qualify? And he's like, well, you have to come up to the pre-tournament. And if you, if you, you know, first, second or third, then you get a qualifying bid and, and we'll put you in the tournament. Um, so the first year we went up not knowing what to expect and we wound up playing Oregon city, um, in the championship game of that tournament went like triple overtime and Oregon city won, but we got, we got the bid in. Um, and so for years, that's kind of, you know, it was a year round program and, and, you know, attracted more kids. And, and then the kids that I had at country day, they, they were bought in to playing with me and, you know, it, it really helps, helps build the program when you can, we can, you can do that. Yeah, no doubt. And of course out here, it's a little bit different in the sense that I can't, coach my kids in the on my high school team but there's a lot of travel clubs i have girls playing for the nike elite team and things like that that you almost have to do that these days right coach you have to play pretty much all year round to real if you want to advance to the next level yeah yeah you do i mean you know you got your high school season the coaches come out to watch you there but then the big recruiting where they you know get a name on a list that you know recruit those kids. It, it's super important to put them on that big stage and have them play at the highest level, um, giving them, you know, coaches the opportunity to see them play against the best. Um, and then there's that whole package. We spend a lot of time on skill development. Um, and in the off season, you can really work a lot on skill development um, to get those kids, you know, to the next level, um, you know, working on their weaknesses. Um, and it, it's fun for me. Practice and, and skill work is, is probably the, the most enjoyable part of the game. Now, how has it changed this year? Because obviously, I don't. I know California. I know we're all dealing with a pandemic, and I, I know you. I know here in Georgia, we're not full to. And the travel teams can practice and play, but the high school teams can't. It's really kind of two standards that I don't agree with. Um, I think if they allow the travel teams to play and practice, they should allow the high school teams. Uh, first of all, give me your what? What do you believe in that? And how much it really helps your kids out just, you know, playing all year round like that, as you said. Oh yeah. So as far as the, the COVID situation um, I'm kind of stuck because I do both high school and club um, and our main practice facility is at our high school. So okay. The high school facility is not open. So in order for us to go forward with our club, it w- we would have to rent an outside facility. Um, <clears throat> And I'm not so sure, you know, how everything's going to shake out. I, I don't want to put our kids in jeopardy to, to travel them all over the country, you know, um, morally to have a chance, you know, to get sick. Um, you know, I just so it this year has been it's my first year um, in 21 years that we have not done it. Um, right. And so um, but but as far as your question, yeah, I think I think, you know, having the ability to work with your kids year round um, is, is a huge factor, um, in building your program, um, developing your kids, um, you know, building your system, uh, establishing, you know, your values. I, I think that, you know, traveling with kids and, and teaching them it's a business trip and how to act. And, you know, at, during the summer, when you get into the season, you know, they know what, what to expect, you know, what your expectations are. 
I think it's, it's really beneficial. Yeah, there's no doubt. To me, that's a great advantage to really building your program. Um, and also for you, right? Because you get to work on your craft for the entire year. So let's say, do you experiment more with your club team? I'm just kind of thinking like if I was, you know, coaching my high school team, Hey, I want to try, you know, maybe this, you know, this new press or this whatever on that. So it's, it's really kind of an experimentation time for you, right? During that time, or you just continually do what you do. So, um, you know, each, each team and each season is a little bit different. Right. Um, right. but with the club season, when you add, so, so we have our, our high school unit, but I split them up over like the 14 U, 15, 17 U's. Right. Uh, we, we all practice together. We run the same system. Um, but, but they're playing with different players. Um, and so you don't really get that much practice time, you know, um, you know, the, the season hits and it's, you know, June, you have some practice time in June, but then once July hits, it's viewing period, viewing period, a little bit of a break and two more viewing periods. So you're actually just playing game, 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 game. So, you know, kind of, you kind of, you have to simplify what you do, uh, in the summer, I feel. We don't, we're not near as complicated in the summer as we are during the season. Um, and I think our, you know, our big thing is transition and, and pressure, ball pressure and, um, and, and making the game uh, faster and, and more fun for the kids to play. Um, so I think, I think club season is a little bit different. The preparation for each team, you know, that we spend during the season is not there. You, you know, you get your, you get your tournament schedule and maybe you do a little quick watch and play for a little bit and give your kids some little pointers on what to expect, but basically you're working on what you do, try to get better, you know, and make the adjustments kind of on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like to me, you're also, uh, it's keeping you sharp as a coach because I know if I took, uh, well, I would take two or three months off or we're not actually coaching. We're basically starting over again, which might be probably good for a lot of coaches, right. To kind of take that break. Um, but it's definitely keeping you sharp. Talk about the, great mentors out there who have really had an impact on your philosophy. Cause I've had, you know, two or three coaches mention you and so forth. And you're probably a mentor to a lot of coaches. Who are the mentors to you? You know, this is a tough one. I started at UC Irvine. Um, and so I started coaching young, right. And I jumped into it. So you kind of have to, you know, build what's important to you and, and that kind of thing. Um, so one of my first teams at country day, we, we took, um, our whole team, we went out to Pat summits camp and, um, and I, and I coached the camp. Um, and then that late, later that summer, you know, had a chance to talk with her and her staff and then went to, um, her coaching clinic it was in Philadelphia, but it was like a, a whole weekend long of eight hours each day. Um, nice. and just seeing, you know, what was important to her, you know, how her, program you know how, how why is she so successful was you know what how does she get these kids you know at this level constantly every single year um so she was she was a big you know kind of factor in me starting and building um you know I think Sue Phillips is an amazing coach um I've known her for for years and and you know I'm, I'm getting ready to to play a game I you know I'll call her I'll ask her for her input um I think she just does an amazing job there's a lot of amazing you've mentioned amazing coaches here um, in California that we can connect to. Um, the other thing that part, um, of coaching, not just is the X's and O's, um, but I feel like leadership training is really important. And our school has really, really put a stamp on that. Um, and our assistant AD, Robert Grasso, he leads a, um, leadership training for <laughs> each, each season. Um, and so you bring your team captains. I always bring my team. 
um, where they're they're in in that leadership training and learning about you know how to build core covenants and how to build core values and how to hold each other accountable for that. Um, he's there on campus, so weekly he'll check in with the team captains if there's anything going on. He'll check in with me. So he's been in the last few years. Um, it's been really really helpful uh, for the kids to understand that side of of being a great person, being a great leader, and then translating that into being a great player. Yeah, those are the intangibles. I love that because I'm a big believer in that. Give, give, me, give me a sample of what your team or some of your leaders did this year that you, you stood back and say, man, that's, that, that, that's really something that was it's carrying over into the games, that leadership quality, and off the court too. Yeah, so um, Tahina Pow Pow, uh, she's going to Oregon. Um, right. She, she was just an amazing, amazing leader for us this year. And, you know, she had some challenges. She had um, two years of torn ACLs and then battling back. And, but her, her perseverance, her work ethic, um, you know, her attitude when she comes to practice every day, the, the effort that she puts, um, and she always finds a way to have fun. The kids respect her. Um, and so when you're watching, you know, your McDonald's all American come in like, Hey coach, what do you need? Can I help you set up? Um, you know, and then every drill she, whether it's, she hates the drill or not, she's going to find a way to have fun doing it and really compete hard. Um, and so I, you know, this year for, for us, we, we had four seniors and I thought they were all really good leaders, but for her, like if there's a, there was an attitude problem or somebody wasn't going hard or, you know, she would challenge them, but the kids loved her and respected her. Um, and I feel that that's the reason why we were kind of so successful this year. Yeah. And uh, that's always good when your best player is like that, right? Coach? It, yeah. it makes our jobs a lot easier. Um, and it sounds like to me, I, I was trying to watch some video of her and so forth. What a terrific all, all around player. Now you add work ethic. And then, like you said, you know, that leadership quality during practice, man, that's like adding eight points per game, right? Oh, more than that. <laughs> I mean, more than that. Sure. She, uh, no, no, she um, she was a kid that she got everybody involved um, and she did not care about her personal accolades, didn't care about how many points she scored. So in a game, if she was distributing the ball and people were scoring, she was high fiving and that's the way it was. Um, if we were struggling, we needed points. You know, she knew she had to put the team on her back and go get some points and then distribute the ball again. And um, I mean, IQ for the game off the charts. Um and just at a young age to know how to lead like that. Um, you know, I've, I've had great players, but they kind of all have an edge. You kind of have to teach them like, you know, that was the, that was the right message, but the delivery wasn't very good. Or, you know, they're so sure. competitive that they don't ever know how to tone it down. So it offends people, you know, in practice. Uh, but she just, she just had the whole package um, this year for us. Um, so really blessed to have an opportunity to be part of her journey. Coach, do you believe that that leadership is inherent? or something that we as coaches, I know I try to train it, but I think a lot of it is inherent. I hate to say that, and I, but I think we can kind of help kids out. What do you believe that's really true? So with, um, you know, with the girl you're talking about now, was it, was it just um, something that maybe through her home life or something she learned along the way? I mean, she had a big athletic family, right? Um, and she was training with her brothers since she's been really little. Um, but, but I, I think that great leaders, um, they have it, you know, um, because, you know, you get a big group and, and you know that leader, 
in a group, the kids are young, that there's going to be a leader that, that steps out, whether good or bad, you know, that's that person that's willing to step out of the comfort zone and lead. And then there's those kids, even at a young age that, you know, they're happy just, just following and being part of it. Um, but I do think great leaders, I, I think it's something innate, um, you know, at, the older I get, the more I see it, the more, <laughs> you know, have teams and watch even, even coaching PE, you know, in, in classes with younger kids. I mean, you have those leaders that just jump out, you know? Right. I do think, yeah, I do agree, coach. Yeah. Uh, but is this something that you try to direct them to help the other kids? Is that what we can do better as coaches? Yeah, you can, you can learn to lead. Um, so, you know, you have that one leader, like I had Tahina, right? But I had four other seniors that were great leaders, right? They, they accepted their role. They held people accountable. They were amazing teammates, um, coachable, like all these intangible things, um, you know, and at a young age, some of them were, you know, upset because they weren't playing and, and, you know, but they had to learn, okay, you don't like the role you're in, then prepare for the one you really want. I'm here, I'm going to help you. But to get them to understand that and then accept that is a different story, right? But that's all part of leadership. Um, and I think you can teach kids how to lead. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, the true leader, right, coaches, when things are going bad. And I think actually us coaches, I think we need, I know there's many times where I did not lead my team properly. I think us coaches need to be uh, humble enough to look for. Don't I mean, don't, you see that in the coaching profession where, hey, it's not the player's fault, man. It's us. We have to lead better, right? Yeah. I mean, I go to the the leadership training and, and it's Robert Grasso does the same one, uh, but a little bit different, you know, different things every year. But every year I learn something. Every year I think I grow as a leader. Um, I mean, I'll coach a game and then go back and watch the game and, you know, kind of, you know, how I'm responding to the kids or maybe my reaction to something was I didn't like that. You know, that my reaction is not going to get the best thing for them out of them. You know what I mean? It was a mistake. So just keep my face the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Um, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So every year, yes, I evaluate and grow. I mean, we, we have to, as leaders, try to be better. I mean, every day, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think we got, we definitely got to look at ourselves a lot, too, to become better. Coach, you had some great players. Candace Wiggins, Kelsey Plum, Maya Hood, Janae Fulcher. I apologize if I say the name wrong. Tahina Papau, yeah. uh, going to Oregon. Paris Ashley. Now you have, I've been watching your big Brea Cunningham, man. She's a heck of a player. How are you developing these skilled players at your school on that? Those are some great players. Yeah, so, so a lot of them played, played with me because in my waves um, since they've been young, like 10 years old. So Brea started playing with us when she was 10. Um, and then, you know, as they Brea, – Brea's story is amazing. I mean, we – our travel team, we didn't have any bigs. And so uh, she's, you know, 14, just turning 14. I said, Brea, I'm going to put you on the 17U team. And we did the Under Armour circuit. Um, and she's a, she's a funny kid. She, she's not emotional at all, which is really refreshing to me, you know. She'll make the biggest play of her life, and her face will be the same. And she'll make a mistake, <laughs> and her face is the same, right? Right. So talented. Um, and so she, she played with the 17 years, and I know it, she was a little scared. And like, Coach, I don't know how many. I said, you're going to do great, you know. She, Carmela Cardoza, we had to go up against her, you know, one of the top players in the country, and she held her own. And then we went to the – the junior NBA um, where she's playing in her own age group um, after the circuit. And she just kind of blew up there. And, and then I think once she kind of gained that confidence that, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good, but she's got great hands. She, she can finish around the basket. And 
Um, so I've been really blessed with, you know, kids coming in my program at a young age. And then there's kids that really want to get better. I think everyone wants to get better, but it's the kids that want to put in that extra work um, to do it. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a workaholic, so I love it. So, if, you know, we have a little breakfast club. If kids want to come in early, we'll do that. If they want to stay late, we'll do that. Um, but I think, I think skill development, and I've had some great assistant coaches along the way, like Latoy Cunningham played for me. Um, she went to university of Miami, graduated 2005. Um, and she's back in my program and she's a point guard and really good at skill development. Um, my assistant coach Kareem, he's, he's a post guy, you know, my hood is now coaching back with me. Um, and just so, so having these coaches around and the kids willing to put in the time, um, I think that's how they get better. Um, yeah. Yeah. I told Yeah, absolutely. Coach. I love how you have, uh, you have a really good coaching staff and that's, to me, that's an underrated part of coaching. I think you better have these days, you better have at least at least two really coaches that really understand the game, that know your philosophy. And you got some former players now, which is kind of cool. Um, that's underrated, right? You better have a great coaching staff. Yes, yes. And this year it was amazing. So I'm a big energy person, right? And so I'm like, like for me, when the kids meet in the thing, I said, you got to bring three things and that's all I expect from you. We're going to teach you the rest, right? You got to bring a really positive attitude. You got to bring your best effort every single day and you got to be a great person and teammate. Those are only, th mm -hmm. only three things that are, are not negotiable, right? You come through those doors, you got to have those three things and everyone knows we hold each other accountable for those three things. Um, and I've had my assistant coaches this year, their energy level is so high, right? They're, um, when they come into the gym and they're always really positive with the kids, you know, some, you know, kids, you coach high school girls get moody. They come in, they're tired, or, you know, um, but the coach side this year just had the ability to just connect and, and joke and, you know, push these kids. And, and we worked really hard, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. So assistant coaches, the people you surround yourself with um, are just as important as what you do, you know? Oh, that's so true. And sometimes it's good to have other voices and then the head coach doesn't have to say as much, but right. When, when you do talk, I think people listen to you a lot more than if you were the only voice. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's, you know, you've got great assistant coaches backing you up. And then when you have players sure. that, that back your philosophy and hold people accountable, that's, that's when you really become a great team, you know? And then and that's part of your building your culture, right? So talk about your culture there. Talk about some key non-negotiable things that y'all really believe in and at your school. Cause I know you guys are doing the right things as far as, you know, what you're doing with your culture and your relationships and all that with your players. Yeah. So, so like I said, the, the three things that, that are non-negotiable to me is one, your attitude um, and your effort level. Those right. things you control, control all the time. You have control of those things. And if you come in and you have a bad attitude and your effort's bad, I'm going to, I'm going to try to hold you accountable. Um, if you're having a rough day, I might ask you to come back tomorrow, you know, <laughs> because they're just not, if you know, you wind up as a coach focusing on that one person that's not, and you have, you know, 12 other kids that are just dying to be coached. And sometimes that one, you know, negative thing will draw your attention, you know, um, so, so in my mind, sometimes I stop focusing on them or, or I'll just ask them to, hey, I don't know what's going on today. You need me to take a break. Come back tomorrow, you know, so we can keep that the practice positive. But, yeah, it's, it's the attitude, the effort level. 
Um, and then the other thing is um, being a great teammate. And it's, it's simple, right? Just treat people the way you want to be treated. And you coach girls, I coach girls. They, you know, they have issues sometimes and um, drama. You know, we just go by that simple rule and we hold each other. You know, we don't have to hang out after practice, but during practice and, you know, outside on the, you don't have to be their best friend, but you treat them, you treat them like you want to be treated. It's easy. Um, and then from there, if we got that, that core system down, we can teach anything, you know? And right. I, my thing is I really want to make it fun because we spend a lot of time doing this and, you know, you don't want to, it don't, you don't want it to be a drag to come into practice and, Oh, I got to be here again today. You know, somehow we got to mix it up. We got to have different competitions. We got to, you know, we got to make it fun, but I, I like to play hard though. <laughs> you got to play hard. Yeah, I love how you're saying that, Coach, because isn't it true? I mean, you can have all the talented players in the world, but number one, if. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. They always say that if you work hard, the fun will happen, right? I mean, it's not fun before the work. Right. It's work before the fun, right? Right. But I, I had kids that really loved to compete and really loved the game. So, you know, whether it be a defensive drill or, a, you know, we always made it competitive. We always had a winner and a loser. Um, and sure. you know, it really kind of made it fun, too. Is um, So I had some, some dads that have played before, and then we have some, um, I call it my practice squad, um, yeah. some of the assistant coaches on the boys side will come in and so we'll have a really you know Maya Hood and Toya like really competitive scrimmage squad and we'll do you know defensive breakdown drills with that scrimmage squad and we'll do and so they're you know they're talking trash to the play but they want to compete too right so I mean everybody's laughing everybody's having fun but we are playing as hard as we can play and and then when we went into the scrimmage situation I'd like I'd like to keep my team together right as opposed to splitting them up and oh I wasn't on the first team today I wasn't on you know, if we if we all if we're all together and we have a scrimmage squad, um, when we actually get to the five on five, um, I think it brings your team. I know some days you can't, but I think if you can do that, it brings your team together more. Where they're they're fighting, competing together every day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. On that, and I, I love what you're saying about your practice squad. I wish I had that ability to bring in uh, some more players. That's one thing, and I'm really at a small school. Uh, that's one of the issues we have is. We have good quality. We don't have a lot of depth. So we have a good, you know, five, six, seven players. Yeah. That's a that's a problem with small schools is you don't have enough competition. So I try to do different competitive games to make it easier for my second team to beat my first team. What do you try to do? Yeah, I mean, we're a small school too, right? Um, so, I mean, we had nine players. So if I if my assistant coaches didn't jump into practice and, and play, or we didn't bring in a scrimmage squad, we, we couldn't go five on five. Right. Um, right. But if, if, if we were doing breakdown drills and we didn't have them that day in practice, I would split the, split the teams up. Right. So obviously I put Tahina on one team and then put, you know, Bray on another team and, and, you know, try to balance it out um, where it's competitive. And then sometimes if it got lopsided, 
you know, we would flip and, you know, Tina was the first one to say, Hey coach, I'll go to that team. She'll put a Jersey on and we'll flip it. Um, but yeah, but we all try to make it as competitive as possible without, you know, one team just not being able to function. Yeah, I love how you said Tahina wanted to be on. She probably wanted to be on the team maybe with less talent to, to make her better, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she wasn't opposed to that at all. I mean, she loved to be on the team, you know, <laughs> with, with the ones. But if they were if they were down, she, she'd love that other role too, you know, put them on her back and, and see if we can come back and beat these guys, you know? Yeah, yeah it looked like she loved challenges. Um, hey, let's talk a little basketball here with – I enjoyed watching some of your videos. I did watch last night of your – your win versus windward. Congratulations with that. Um, I love how your team plays. Um, it looked like you're basically a four out one in, or I think you ran some double post stuff, but I love how you run your offense through your big, but you have a really good point guard. You have your leading score. You have a lot of other weapons. Tell us a little bit about your offensive philosophy. I really love how you guys move the ball and share the ball. Yeah, th- this team was so special. Like I said, that n- nobody cared who scored the points. They just wanted to win. So it, it made it really fun basketball. Um, and all the players, really high IQ. I think, you know, having four seniors really helps. Uh, but as far as X's and O's, I, I run a lot of quick hit sets to um, isolate whatever we need at the time. Um, and then in running the quick hits, we, we focus on every pass has an option to score. Um, and then... And then if they take that option away, there's a counter for every pass, right? Um, and so when we stop and we really break the game down, and that's another advantage of being able to play kind of year-round, you know, because you, you, you instill a new set or you put in your offensive system. But to teach every pass and the breakdown and the options and the counters, um, have the kids really understand that. And then once they play the game, they see it, they move it, and they score, it, it makes it really fun. Um, so we do spend a lot of time. I love transition and I love pressure defense, but we do spend a lot of time on offensive breakdowns and having the kids help them understand really what they're looking for. Um, and this year they got it. They got it and they understood the counters and they knew how to move the ball. And yeah, it was, it was fun coaching them this year. I, I, I mean, my timeouts were just for adjustments. It wasn't out of frustration, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, I, um, yeah, you can tell they really enjoyed playing with each other. And I, I want to ask you a question that I have. I have a senior girl that this year, 6'2", um, and I also have a bunch of good little guards. So we're trying to, you know, it's, it's hard when you have, you know, a lot of good scores sometimes is trying to find, you know, you got to share the wealth. And yes. I, have, I have one really outstanding player. And then I have a bunch of little guards that all have game too. Um Give, give, me some, give me some examples of what have you done with your teams to get everybody to share the ball or what offenses you have. You said you're more in the quick hitters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I started out uh, first coaching uh, with the flex motion offense. Mm-hmm. And so out of flex, you know, I mean, basically nobody's in the post. We, we, this is my first year in a while that I, that I have a true post player. So most of our sets are perimeter and somebody has to go inside for a minute to come back outside where they're facing the basket, you know. Um, so I started with flex, but then, you know, as you're coaching, I'll be scouting a game and I'll, I'll, I'll go, gosh, okay, guys, we can't get beat on this little quick hit set, right? Um, like a fake handoff, you know, at the high post where you just drop your foot and go if the, if the post player bites on it. Um, and so over the years, the things that we had 
trouble guarding, I would steal. <laughs> so I wound up with the, like 15 or 20 like little quick kit sets um, that I really, really like. Um, and the kids really buy into them and they, they work, you know, that you can get. Like if you need to score right, we need Brea to score, we can isolate her. If we need Tahina to get an open three, you know, we can get it. We need Jazzy to break, break it down, we can run this. Um, but everybody's involved in every set because we talk about each pass and the scoring opportunity. So it's not, you know, it's not just a dribble handoff motion that ends up with a pass into Brea. Right. So the kids are just going through the motion and they say, Oh, this is for Brea. Right. Um, we, we run a, a one, four high set. That's a flare screen um, for a three. So it's a dribble entry, little zipper cut, but within the set, I mean, the first pass, we can get it to the post um, or you can drive to the basket and score your layup. Um, or, you, you know, we're going to go for the flare screen for the three, or if you, they switch it, we're going to roll it and give it to the post. Um, so there's a lot of options just off this little, we call it check, this little check set. I actually got it from Beth Burns from San Diego State back in the day. She came and did a little clinic for our team, and, um, mm-hmm. and we put that in. But I've been using it for years, you know. Um, so I think, you know, for you, for any coach, you, just, you know, you have to find something that you like, that you believe in, but, uh, but you know, each pass has to have an option, a scoring option for each individual player where they feel, I, I think that's how they feel like they're part of what we're doing, you know? And I emphasize that a lot too. Um, when they miss opportunities, um, you know, you just missed an opportunity to drive to the basket and score a layup. They're not, you know. Um, so this year with these four seniors, um, they really understood what, what we were trying to do, you know, and, and the young players are, have really, really high IQ and picked up on it really well too. Yeah. Don't you, um, and I, I guess this is my fifth year at this school and so forth. And each year it gets easier because the kids understand each other. They understand me. Right. That's kind of an underrated thing. I think is the more they play together, the less coaching you have to do. And sometimes it's better as a coach just to stay quiet and let them play let them, let them kind of feel each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Talk about, yeah, yeah. Go ahead if you want to continue on with that. But I love your one four set because I was watching that. I'm going, hey, that's, I love that little flare screen that you guys utilize. But it seems like Bray is always breaking down to the low post. She's always like your first or second option. That's what it looks like. Yeah. You know, this year, I mean, in the past we've run them, but we've never actually had a post presence. So we didn't really focus on that post entry pass or the, you know, if they switch the screen, the slip that we can get her the ball or, you know, a set breaks down just for her to drop pin and seal and just isolate. And she was so good at like catching and finishing. I think she finished at like a 60, 60% field goal percentage this year. Sure. Uh, uh, but she was really good at when she was doubled to kick in and find, find somebody. Um, so, you know, for me this year, I mean, I, I constantly was looking at everything that we did X's and O's wise on how, how can we get Brea the ball, you know? And the guards, I mean, because she scores at such an efficient rate, they, they loved it. The year before, um, we didn't have a post. So Tahina at 5'10 was our tallest player, and then we went small from there. <laughs> we made it to the regional championship, but, man, that was so tough that we had to scrap and fight and figure out how are we going to get rebounds, you know? How are we going to get re- – we got beat because we got out-rebounded in that regional game. Um, and so, you know, we had to, I had to switch my philosophy and just rely on a lot of, you know, outside shooting and just be okay with, you know, trying to get that percentage up because that's a good shot. But, you know, we just have to be a better rebounding team. And then this year when we got Brea as a post player, 
um, I feel like our guards just fell in love with her. It was like, oh my God, she can look at how easy this is, you know? And then once she, once they collapsed, you know, and she kicks it out, you know, our kids are having wide open threes. Um, so for us, it, it's just great having, you know, having that inside outside presence. Yeah. It makes a big difference for sure. Um, talk about a little bit about Tahina going to Oregon and, course you know they lost sabrina and eskew obviously and talk about her excitement to go oregon's a great program to me it's a, i mean i think that, i think the success is going to continue on talk how you think she's going to fit into oregon oh man i think it's a great place for her. i mean first kelly graves does an amazing job coaching every wherever he's been they've won um i've been at his practices I, he i think he's one of the best coaches in the country um and you know his system Tahina, she's a point guard or she can be a two guard. She, she knows how to use ball screens. A lot of their action is ball screen action and mm-hmm. reads, um, you know, dribble handoffs and relocating to open spots to shoot threes. These are all what Tahina's strengths are. Um, and she's unselfish. So I think Kelly Graves team, all his teams play really unselfish basketball. Um, so I think for her, I think she's a perfect fit there. And um, she has the work ethic. Um, that, you know, every day she's working, every day she's working right now, the summer conditioning, you know, working on her basketball skills. So she knows she's going into a, a place where there's a lot of great, great players. Uh, but I feel like she can be one of the best in the game. I really do. Yeah. I'm really excited for her. And of course this year has been a lot different because, you know, you can't go on campus and so forth. So the, I think the transition for players this year going on to a college campus is going to be tough, right coach? Yeah, I mean, I think um, right now the she's scheduled to go to campus July twelfth, um, and then they have to, you know, they have to isolate themselves, quarantine themselves, you know, <laughs> seven days before and the seven days once they get there, um, and then they'll have their workouts in school, summer school. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, I know different programs are doing it differently, uh, but yeah, it is much different. It's much different than than um, what it's been in the past. Yeah. And I think, you, you know, the, for freshmen, right? Yeah. For freshmen, they don't, they don't know what it used to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Right. So they're going, they're going this, I mean, I know the whole COVID thing is, it, you know, it's, it's been difficult for, for everybody, but, but we're kind of at that point where we, you know, this is what we do. Uh, but for her going there as a freshman, I think if, when you don't know, you haven't experienced anything different, this will be her first experience, you know? Right. And I'm hoping, I mean, I, I hear a lot of different voices and you would, you're, you're inside the game uh, probably a lot more than I am. Do you sense that they are going to play uh, sports this year? I heard something the other day where hey, it doesn't look like, you know, they're going to allow college students to come back in the fall or they're going to be online. I've heard some, a lot of negative things. What do you, what do you sense? Do you think we're going to play sports this year? I have no idea. I'm going to tell you that <laughs> okay. right now because if I talk to college coaches all the time and then, some days it looks like really positive. So I'm thinking, okay, we're making a move, right? And then the next week, it's totally different. Um, so, I mean, you just see these spikes in COVID going up and, you know, all these different states when, we, you know, every day is different. So I'm just kind of, I'm just riding it out like everybody else. No idea. I mean, I'm planning as a coach, I'm planning on, we're going to have a season. I got a nice schedule, you know, planning on the travel. But, you know, I, I'm also having the back of my mind, it could be a lot different than what I expect, you know? Yeah, I think you just got to be prepared. I, I know I'm prepared 
not to play. This that's the way I am mentally. In case, and if we do, then let's go. Um, because I think anything's possible, like you said. Hey, talk about your defensive philosophy. I love how you guys play defense. Um, just by watching some video clips and so forth. Are you a coach that focuses on stops, or are you a coach that fo- fo- focuses on forcing turnovers and pace? Um, well, we we like forcing turnovers and pace, but the 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 ultimate goal is to get a stop, right? Right. So you know, you get the stop and you score. We 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 talk about the game just as possessions. That's it. Um, yes, we want to win this game, but how are we going to win this game? It's about each possession. So. Uh, offensively, if we go down the floor and we don't score for two possessions, we got to do something different. We better score that third possession or we're going to be in trouble, right? Defensively, the same philosophy. We got to get back. Don't get a stop. You know, if we get beat twice in a row, we better do something different to make sure we get this next stop or we're, we're, we're going to put ourselves in a hole, you know? So um, that's kind of my philosophy on the game. Um, we focus on possessions. I usually go two possessions and, and something's not working. You know, we'll go three. If it's the three, we don't get a stop, but then we'll switch up the defense, you know. So, but I like to pressure. We run a diamond press. Um, we can run it soft or we can run it where we really pressure the ball and, you know, really trap hard. Um, you know, with our schedule, we, we play a really tough competitive schedule. So all the teams we play are really well coached. Um, you know, these teams know how to break a press. They know how to, so, you know, we have to be creative. We have to be patient. We have to know, you know, exactly where we're going to push the ball to trap. You know, I like to trap in the trapping zones, you know, half court or, or in corners. Um, but just give them different looks. Um, we can play zone. We can play man. I mean, I love man-to-man defense, but we, we also have this uh, 3-2 zone where we trap. We call it 32 crush. Um, and that's caused a lot of teams some problems because they can't run their sets. They don't, they don't know when the trap is coming. Um, so, so for me, I mix it up a lot. We mix, we mix our defenses up a lot. We don't really stick. If one thing's not working, we, we're going to find something that does work for this particular team, you know? I love that with coaches, though, because I speak to all these great coaches, and it seems like, and tell me if I'm wrong, Terry, the, the, the higher levels, there's more coaches who have to change defenses a lot rather than sticking with, hey, I'm a man-to-man, I'm a one-press. And, of course, yeah. I, I don't change a lot because I feel like the talent level is not as strong game in game out um so you guys have to change up a lot just kind of show them to change for change sake yeah yeah i mean we do i mean there's teams like we'll i'll go in mentally thinking okay this team doesn't shoot the ball very well you know we're gonna go zone we're gonna do this and then they come out and they whack whack a couple threes and, <laughs> sure. uh, okay this is not working <laughs> so you know so this, this is their night and then we'll switch it up you know we'll go man or we'll use a trapping you know type of zone to just to to make sure the shooters aren't don't get good looks but yeah because uh, the teams that we play they, they have really great coaches and really talented players um and you know you can't do the same thing for every team defensively and think that that's going to be you're going to be successful doing that yeah yeah so true and i of course one of my first california coaches that i spoke with was doc shepler from pinewood tell me what you know about doc because I know he's at a small school like you. I, it might be smaller than you. It's like, how in the heck is he doing it at such a small school at Pinewood? He is a great coach, and he, <laughs> he can teach the kids to shoot the ball. That's one thing he can do, right? So you know all his teams, if you're playing him, um, you know they're going to live and die by the three. Um, but he does a great job of, of teaching them how to shoot. Um, I think he's running the dribble drive 
you know, stuff. Now the kids are really unselfish. And so he'll have them attack hard and kick and one more pass and whack three, you know, so he could be down and then, you know, he'll hit three, four, five threes in a row. And um, yeah, so he has, a. I think he does a great job with his kids. Um, he has a, you know, each year his system changes a little bit, but he, he's definitely, you know, every kid that goes there is going to, if they, if they aren't a shooter, they're going to graduate a shooter. Um, right. And so it's really hard to defend that three point line, you know, especially nights where, where his teams are on. Um, and I think he just, uh, he does a really good job of scouting teams and taking away, you know, what teams do well. He, he's just a, he's a really good coach. Yeah. One of the best in around. I, I totally agree. Cause a lot of our skill development is, is from doc that I've learned from him. And of course he calls himself the King of hop. And then Craig Campbell calls himself the vice president of hop. Those guys, I tell you, man, those guys are really proud of the hop shooting. How do you teach shooting? You know, I, I get a kid um, and I, you know, if they're a hop shooter, then we're going to, we're going to keep them as a hop shooter. Um, if they're not, you know, I've had great shooters there that, that like Tina Papa is a, is a great shooter. Um, she's not a hop shooter. You know, I've had kids that, that are, you know, are hop shooters, but um, so I, I kind of evaluate each kid to see um, uh, basically we, we work from fundamentally up, you know, it's about your form. It's about your follow through. Um, the shooting pocket where you're releasing it, the angle of your, you know, the arc of your shot. Um, and then basically, you know, getting really consistent. I start with 15 feet or 10 feet, right? Then 15 feet, then keep. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, Look no further than the Championship Vision podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. Moving it out. And then in practice, we do a lot of um, green light shooting drills, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I really don't have to, in a game, say that really wasn't a very good shot for you because we talk about this green light shooting in a game, you're 80%, you got the green light, right? If you're shooting 20% in practice and you pull a quick one in transition with no rebounders, you have a 20% chance of making that shot. Is that a good shot for our team? So, and then we just talk about the philosophy of shooting and percentage and, and these kind of drills that we do. So basically when we get to the game, I think the kids, I never have to tell a kid, that was a really bad shot, you know? They, they'll they turn to me and say, oh, my bad, my bad, right? But I don't, I don't ever say that's a bad shot, good shot. They kind of just by the green light shooting drills, they learn themselves about who the great shooters are, who should be shooting. Oh, I'm open and we have rebounders. That's a great shot for me, you know, because we have rebounders. Um, but, yeah, I know a doc does a great job. I mean, I know he's he's produced a lot of great shooters. So um, he's probably more a guy to go to on shooting than me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love what you're saying, though. And, and I want you to give me give me an example of one of your green light shooting drills. Okay, so we um, will have uh, like five spots on the floor. Um, we'll put time on the clock. Um, you have to make make five shots before you move to the next spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can complete the drill um, in a minute and 45, um, this is from the three-point line, then right. you got the green light, right? Okay. And so, and so we kind of chart those and we keep in. And my goal was this year to actually, and I got this from Mike Neighbors because Kelsey Plum played for him he actually had these boards, big like whiteboards he would bring out and he would have from all the schools he's been at, all the top shooters 
Um, I've got some of the, if you look, Mike neighbors, he's on the coaching spot. He, he has some great shooting green light shooting drills. Um, and we do that for the twos, for the threes, but he charted them and every day in practice, he put the, he put the boards up and he would say, okay, who's going to, who's going to set the record today, you know? Um, but those are the type of drills we did. just, just timed and the amount of shots that you get, you know? Uh, some of it is like, you got to make two in a row before you move to the next spot. We got seven spots, you know, you got a minute 45 to make it. Let's see how many spots you can get, you know, um, in that minute 45. And then, then every day they're competing against themselves, right? So we have some really good shooters and kids that, that are learning to shoot the ball and want to become better shooters. Uh, but we always want to, you always want to be the best version of yourself, not, not, you know, the best. I mean, obviously you're striving to be the best, but um, those are kind of the green lights that we do. Yeah, I love that. And, and Mike is great because um, actually you're right, though. I steal all his stuff. I mean, he's talk about a great teacher of the game that's willing to share everything he's doing there at Arkansas. Um, and I got to tell you a little story. I put out a drill on my on the Twitter about one of the shooting drills for Mike and Kelsey Plum and Mike Neighbors res, um, responded to it. And I was so proud of that. Um, <laughs> So we're, we're, I'm stealing stuff from Mike all the time, man. That guy's a great coach. So, um, Tell me about your practice planning because I think your best coaches have an organization about them, a structure of how they do practices. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of set, like, with kind of how the structure goes. I mean, we, we put different drills and everything in, but, you know, when we, we come to practice, we'll do, um, you know, our stretching, our active stretch, our band work. Um, we'll do some, you know, single leg squats and, you know, ACL prevention kind of stuff. And then we'll do a little bit of conditioning slides, jumps, wall sits, uh, 17 lines just to get everybody warmed up. Then I want to, when we practice, I want us to look great. I want us to make shots. So we always start out with form shooting and then we'll move it back. You know, just like the, like I talked, we do, we do five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet, three pointers. Um, and then we'll put in our like green light drills, right? So get everybody warmed up and then we'll do, and I have my bigs. Every, everyone does those drills and then we'll have another 10 minute breakout session where we do individual skill work. Mm-hmm. So let's get Bray on the block. Let's get her, you know, work for 15 minutes. Um, let's have these guards switch back and forth between mid range and floaters and do different skill work drills. Um, and then we'll go right into transition. Right. So, you know, you transition drills um, uh, and then, and then we'll do our defensive work, our defensive breakdown stuff. Then we'll go um, offensive breakdown. And then we end with like five on five, or build up, build builds up to five on five. Um, one one drill I really like is the roll ball in the middle of the court, five on five, where you you roll it, you call a player's name, and they have to sprint back. So you, you you've got five on four, and okay. then five on five, and the first team to two basket wins, and then the next five run on right. Um, so it's kind of fun, it's competitive, uh, but it, it keeps the it keeps the uh, the level of play really high because you you know it's two posi- first team to score twice wins right. So it's a basically a two possession drill. Um, and if you, if you take a playoff, your team's off. Right. So uh, we build with that kind of intensity and those are the kind of drills. Um, I really like those drills. Yeah. yeah. Are you consider yourself more of a, like a drill coach or more of a games approach coach where you're doing more small sided, maybe five on five. Um, we do a lot of breakdown stuff, building up to five on five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we do a lot of um, like, the transition where you're going, you know, two on one, three on two, four on four on three, five on four, five on five, you know, that transition. Cause that's kind of how the game is a lot. Right. Um, somebody's late getting back. Somebody, you know, so 
so we're constantly doing those, but then we end it with the five on five, right. On a buildup. Um, but yeah, I like, I like the buildup drills to the five on five. Absolutely. And, and give, give me your best defensive drill coach. And also give me your, uh, your, your offensive drill, maybe transition drill that you guys really believe in. I, I just call it DNA drills, things that you do, you really believe in, in your program. So I love the four, four shell drill. Um, you know, you could, you can change up um, any version of it that you want. You know, sometimes we, we have them sliding in the middle of the key then the first pass is made and then everyone has to close out and then get to help. And then we play live, you know, um, and you can, sometimes we, we score it offensively. Sometimes if you get a stop, you're the team that stays on and we're going to go for defensive points. Um, but the shell drills one I really like. Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, like I said, you can mix it up. Sometimes we have the, the defensive player have to run past the offensive player, touch the sideline. And so then somebody has to rotate the help and everybody has to recover back. Mm-hmm. So you're just scrambling, constantly scrambling. You have to talk and communicate. And um, I think that's something our team can do better. Um, it's something I think I need to enforce better, like the big communication talking on defense. You know, I know you I know you know what you're supposed to be, but you're not you're not communicating that, you know. Um, so that, that's one of my defensively, one of the, the uh, drills that I really like. Um, okay. uh, then. Uh, Another one, we, we go three-on-three continuous, um, and, and we use this. Um, basically, we, we talk about guarding ball screens, but I, I let the three-on-three team pick how they want to guard the ball screen, if they want to trap it, hedge it, go under it, however they want to do it. Um, but you have to pick the ball up when it comes a, right when it comes across half court or your team's off, so it puts more pressure defensively. Um, and then you have to score within a ball screen set. Um, so oh, that was Kelsey Plum's one of her favorite drills, three-on-three continuous i don't think she ever lost in the four years of high school <laughs> and right. if i didn't call a foul she was so mad and she was like oh that's how it's gonna be so it, it made it it made it really fun yeah did you um, name it after maybe it's the maybe it's the kelsey plum drill or i should, I should change the name i actually should change the name on that <laughs> that's right. yeah and then i think one of my favorite I, I call it notre dame transition i'm sure a lot of teams run it but i was out at um notre dame muffet mcgraw was i was sitting in one of her practices and she ran this drill and and um, so i just call it notre dame transition you start with five people on each end line and you start the free throw so it's two on one right okay so if you make the free throw it's a point you got to sprint back and it goes two on two on one then you mm-hmm. add you add two players every time right so then right. after that possession, you know, it's three on two. Okay. Then after that possession, it's, you know, four on three, then it's, you know, five on four, and then it becomes five on five. And you, you keep score um, within that segment um, for the team. And then you, you, you keep the points, right. And then you, then we'll start again, we'll get a different free throw shooter. So each team, so we go through where each team, somebody from each team has to shoot the free throw and start it for, on both sides. Um, but it's a buildup, you know, so you're going, you know, the whole transition building up to actually a five on five where you have to, where you have to execute and run a set. So that's one of my favorite transition drills. Yeah. I love that drill. We, we actually went this different names for it, but we love yeah. that drill as well. That's a great drill. Hey coach, talk about before you go um, talk about whether it's practices or games, how do you communicate with your players? Cause I think the biggest problem a lot of I see with coaches is they over talk. They talk too much and the players get distracted um, I think Mike Neighbors calls it, I forget the term he uses, but they actually measure distractions where coaches talk too much. It's not, it's pretty amazing. They keep track of that. Um, 
what, what do you what do you think about that? So um, I agree. Totally agree. Um, I'm going to give myself less than 30 seconds and I lose them. I'm, look, I'm looking at their eyes and I'm talking and literally I'm going to say 30 seconds and I'm and they I'm going to lose somebody to Hawaii or wherever they're going, you know. Right. So, um, so everything, you know, we start practice. I'm going to talk, you know, quick at the beginning of practice. These are expectations. Boom, let's go. Right. This is the drill. Instead of me talking the drill, we're just going to demonstrate the drill right here and let's do it. Right. Um, this is the set we're going to run. You know, we're not talking about this. You're going to step in and run it, run it. We're going to talk about it as we teach it. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big person, even after a game. I mean, we give a pregame speech, but for me, we do all that preparing in practice. You know, I'm going to give some motivational stuff, some high fives and let's get out there and, you know, go. Um, and if we don't win the game, we got to look at game film, figure out what we did wrong, come back to practice. Let's figure it out. Right. So after the game, it's going to be quick. Right. I, I, I fear when you stand there and talk, you just, you know, the kids have to sit in class. They hear it. Blah, blah, right. So, <laughs> so I, I feel like just pick your little bullet points, pick your things that are important that you need them to hear and then, then get after it, you know? So uh, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, another big thing I think with communication um, with kids, I, I tell them, you know, you're in charge. So, you control your controllables, right? Um, and so, so I don't. So your attitude, your effort, how hard you play, you know. And for me, I tell the kids too, like, I don't care if you make a mistake. I don't care what the – we're all going to make mistakes. I'm going to make a mistake as coach. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to miss a shot. You're going to turn it over. But what happens after that mistake is what really matters, and that's what we're all going to hold each other accountable for, you know. Um, and so we kind of focus on, I know it's, it's a little bit different than communication, but it is a, it is a big way that I communicate. And I think our team communicates with each other um, without having to say anything. Right. So whatever right. happens, it's, you know, mistake. What do we do? What, what are you doing after that mistake? I just turned the ball over. Am I hanging my head? Am I walk or am I sprinting back, tipping from behind, getting a rebound? You know, what am I doing? Um, so we kind of focus on that part of it um, as far as like communication during the game where you're not screaming and yelling at somebody, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. And that's something that I think we all have to work on because I think overall as a coaching profession, we all over talk. I mean, I, I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, and I think something that we have to really monitor. Hey, before you go, tell me about you. Basically, I wouldn't say you probably have a new team this year, but you probably have one. You're losing four seniors. I think how what, what's kind of your goals for this upcoming year? For your upcoming season, yeah, I think you know one is as um, you know keeping that culture um, that everybody has a role and that everybody needs to be the best at that role that they're at, right? Um, and if you don't if you don't like your role, maybe you're not playing enough. Maybe you want to be a point guard instead of a two guard. Then let's figure out what we need to prepare. How we can prepare you to be in that role that you want. Um, so that part of the, with the team, if you can communicate, I, I feel with your players and they can really buy in and believe that, that their role is super important to the team's success, um, then we're going to be successful. So that, that's one, that's my first goal because I have a lot of young kids coming and uh, they're talented, but they're young. Um, and so there's no like, oh, those are the starting five. And then these guys are coming in, you know, it's their seniors and, you know, we, we don't have that. So, so every practice, everyone's going to be battling for a spot. Right. Um, right. So so I think um, for me, the building the culture part, teaching the leadership part, um, 
I think that's going to be, that's going to be a challenge. Um, always is with young new kids. Um, and then, you know, I kind of, I really miss not being in the gym, being able to work on, you know, the things that we run, you know, slowly putting in different sets, um, different quick hits, you know, building our defense, building our concepts. It's, you know, I, I miss that because that's a huge part by the time we get, you know, to our season, you know, you have all the fundamental background stuff in, and now you're just trying to develop the team as a whole, you know? Um, so I'm excited though. I love challenges. Um, I think we got a really good group of kids coming in, really talented group of kids and, and, um, really good parents, supportive parents. So, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, this is a dream season, so I can't get any better than this. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got to prepare myself. You know, I told one of my assistant coaches, Kareem, he, I said, Kareem, man, this is your first year coaching with me. I said, this is the best season I've ever had in my whole coaching career as far as kids, parents, about how fun everything was, how great every practice was. I mean, he was a big part of it because his energy is really good. I said, but don't get spoiled because, you know, every season's different. Every season's yeah. different, right. Yeah. Um, and that's, to me, right, Coach, you would agree with this. And you have built already built a great legacy and tradition at that school. Uh, I think the hardest thing is to maintain that success, right? That's the hardest thing to do is keep it going. Right, right. And every year, every year you have different challenges, you know, um, like if a few years back, you know, when Tahina was a freshman, we, I thought, oh, well, this is it. Four years, we're in the state championship, you know, and then you have an injury, you know, she tore ACL and then tore again, another one in her sophomore year. So now we don't have a point guard. Now the whole chemistry of our team changes now, you know, so you're constantly, you know, there's, there's things, adversity and, and new things that are going to hit you every year as a coach and as a team and to find a way to to get through that but I, I over the years the most important thing is that that you have good kids and that they believe in your system and that they treat each other well and that they're not selfish you know um and if you can get those main points across um that they're part of a really big giant program that can be really successful and, and they don't have to score 20 points a game to be successful with us um and believe in that um is is like half the battle you know yeah, it's so true on that. And coach, I really appreciate you sharing it and giving us your transparency of your program and so forth. I know I've learned a lot. The coaches that are going to be listening to it are going to learn a lot. And I wish you the best of luck. And hopefully, coach, uh, you'll be playing next year and playing for championships. Hopefully everything works out. I want you to stay he healthy and stay well. Kevin, thank you so much for having me on. Um, just honored to be part of this. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Coach. And for, uh, can you give us, how can we get a hold of you? What's the best way? I'll have it on the website, but what's the best way if a coach wanted to contact you immediately? Um, uh, email's great. Um, tbamford at ljcds.org. That's cool. Coach, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I know you probably have something fun planned for the rest of the day, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Okay. See you. Bye. All right. Bye. Hey coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. 
mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.